my responsibility is to make sure that the way that the manager wants to play football and the game model we have, that our players are physically able to enact that. They need to be able to do that from the first minute to the last minute, and they need to be able to do that match after match. You're listening to the Better Stories podcast with Sam Lloyd, taking inspiration from our communities and people. Hello and a very warm welcome to the latest Better Stories podcast and what a guest we have lined up. It's a bit of a football theme this time around as I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by Ali Harris, Fulham Football Club's Head of Performance. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. I've been really, really looking forward to our chat. So let's start, shall we, at the very beginning. I'm really, really interested to know, Ali, was fitness always important to you to the point that you wanted to carve a career in this field from a very young age? I think uh, as a as a kid, I... I played a lot of sports. I, I really loved like tennis. I obviously loved football, um, and really my desire was to be a professional football player, like like a lot of children, like young boys. Um, so when I got to the age of about 16, 17, I'd recently been released from a professional team a couple of years before, and I was playing semi-professional football. I was I was good academically I'd done my GCSEs I was doing my A-levels um, but I still had a burning desire to try and push on in the football world so I finished my A-levels and just tried to play semi-professional football and see where it took me and got a full-time job at the same time and the full-time job was in a, a insurance company um, and I was in motor claims handling and basically, after about six to eight months of doing that, I was just bored out of my brain. And <laughs> wasn't for <laughs> I, you, right? <laughs> no, it definitely wasn't. I, I'm, I need to be stimulated. And I just started thinking, like, oh, listen, we need to go down the university route. And when I was at that point, I knew I love football. I had a real keen interest in fitness. And all of my A-levels and GCSE, well, a levels especially have been like centered around that pathway um so i just started to look at what type of jobs there were in football and saw an advert on a well-known well-known like a uh, sports like job website and it was for an exercise physiologist at west ham united so i just looked at what the criteria was and what you needed and that was the moment i was like right okay let's set out on that path well, it's obviously that you were combining your two great passions, which is fitness and football. But talking about that career pathway, I'm really intrigued to know how you ended up becoming uh, head of sports science at Fulham, because I know that you've had various roles, haven't you, within the club? Yeah. Uh, first of all, like it's a really, really tough industry to get into and the the first the first step in is the most important like the most important one if you can get your foot in the door of a of a professional football club then you've then got an opportunity to then gain the experience and really push on through and I was lucky enough to get an internship at Fulham I think 11 years ago now that was voluntary it was unpaid for a season and 
that that gave me a, a a platform to learn on the job but make connections obviously within the club and from that moment on really I've just progressed upwards or been fortunate enough to progress upwards at the football club do you think it helps Ali that you know you've been at Fulham now for for a substantial um, period of time you've kind of grown and developed within the role but you must know the club inside out the values the ethics the way that the club ticks shall we say yeah definitely um it's it's a fantastic football club it's got some absolutely brilliant people working here i think one of the things fulham's known for is it's a it's a family club and it, it's got it's got really really good value so certainly starting out here and like forging your career here has been yeah it's been fantastic for me i think you can look at things two ways can't you on the flip side of that i've I've only ever been in one environment within professional football and I'm sure that across like the Premier League and the other leagues there's there's a lot of different cultures different environments that offer positives and negatives in them as well but yeah I certainly feel fortunate that I've I've been given this 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 pathway here so give, give me a little bit of an insight into your role, because I'm really interested to know, I mean, you know, head of performance, you know, what, what does that entail for you then day to day? Well, basically, it's my my responsibility is to make sure that the way that the manager wants to play football and the game model we have, that our players are physically able to enact that. Um, they need to be able to do that from the first minute to the last minute and they need to be able to do that match after match. So it's my responsibility to make sure that every single player is conditioned to a level that they can basically perform the game demands of the, the management staff. On top of that, obviously player availability is very important to to managers like the more players that you have available to select from then obviously the more choices you got the different opportunities you have and like the 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 more you can affect a football match because you've got more assets available to you so we work very hard in making sure that our players are robust they they have very good training habits they're well educated about things like sleep, nutrition, recovery cycles. Um, and our goal is to basically give the manager every single player for every game and be able to perform physically to the level that he wants them to when they're asked to. I find elite sport fascinating, whatever sport it is. But but talking about football, I mean, you mentioned a key word there, conditioning. Uh, in this day and age, it's so important, isn't it? The conditioning element. Somebody once said to me that um, if your players aren't physically at their optimal, it can it can contribute to losing football matches. Whereas if your players are physically optimal it doesn't guarantee that you're gonna win football matches and that always stuck stuck with me really because like in this role it's a little bit of a double-edged sword so you're never going to be the person who's responsible for a win but ultimately you can be receiving questions if 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 people aren't able to perform the demands that the manager wants them to and it could cost the team 
So we need, we we do a lot of work on profiling, and what I mean by that is we need to know inside out, in possession, out of possession for a match at a whole match, what every position on the pitch is required to do for this manager, and when a player comes into this environment they have their own capacity so they have levels that they have to like they they can work to so we need to make sure that every individual is maximized to their capacity and they can perform the demands that are required of them and it's something you alluded to i mean talk about the all-round package it's not just about the physicality you mentioned about sleep about nutrition I guess it's the physiological element as well there's so many significant components to consider isn't there yeah definitely and that's why we we have a large department we've we've got a lot a lot of very good staff within the medical and the fitness side and we try and have basically like just key processes that everybody is aware of and the messaging from all of us is just the same and one of the things that's hardest within professional football is when there's a large amount of squad turnover so you lose 10 players you get 10 players in they're from different cultures different nationalities different backgrounds might not have played in the league before and you're learning about that person all of these things from scratch and really the time time span that we have to do that before things start getting serious, as in game start and points are on the line, is very, very quick. And we got to make sure as a collective, um, like I said, like our key processes are just nailed down and just drilled into the players. Yeah, it's a really interesting point you made there because it's a squad per se, Ali, but of course every individual's different. It's like creating a bespoke programme subject to each player's needs and requirements, I guess. Yeah, that that's exactly it. So um, we take a very individual approach in how we work with these players, but from the flip side of that, we're in, we're in a team sport and a lot of the training demands that the manager wants to put on these guys there does have to be a generic like focus with it because he wants to install the same mentality throughout he needs to get into into them the tactical work he 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 has to get into them before the games he needs to make sure like from a psychological side you know they're they're enjoying moments of training as well but we need to basically monitor the all-round program really really carefully and fill in the gaps that need to be filled in in between those points or sometimes like take away things from players if they've had a period of high load before this training week. So what are the general, uh, I'm going to do a bit of a generalisation here, but what are the general injuries then of a professional footballer specifically? Um. Yeah, so majority of them would be to the lower limb. Um, like contact-based injuries could be anything from like a dead leg to a, bru- a bruised shin, a, a, an ankle sprain. Um, knee ligament injuries are quite common as well. Um, and then from like 
like the muscular side, hamstring, quadriceps, adductors, um, soleus, gastrocnemius. They're they're the they're the most common injury sites. And can you give us perhaps an insight into some players that you worked on recently to get back to fitness and or indeed achieve a specific goal? Because you and your team, and it's ever evolving. It's a very very busy department, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And we want to make sure that our work is heavily heavily loaded um, at the point to stop players getting injured in the first place. Um, this season we've we've had an excellent injury record and like an excellent like non-contact injury record and um, a, ma- a main reason of that is how much focus we put into the pre- prevention side into like the strength and power stuff in the gym like the conditioning side whether that's post game during the training week just making sure these players are completely conditioned for the game demands and trying to minimize the risk of them getting injured because obviously like if a player is injured for any period of time one it's costing the money um the club money because they're paying them but they're not available to contribute to the team and two it could affect the performance or the results of the team if key players aren't available so we try and put as much work and effort into like the like that side of it as we can and the all-round monitoring side um recently we've had a player who had a hamstring injury recently um it, it was a relatively small one um basically the process of that is getting the player pain-free as quickly as possible and the medical team do a fantastic job with that making sure that from a clinical side there's no differences between the left and right side like on on the on the medical bed and then from that point onwards we're taking them back into the gym we're developing their strength qualities again making sure they've got that throughout the whole length of the muscle and from that point to when they join back into training it's just about reconditioning them to their demands what they would normally do in a training week for us and making sure that when they integrate back into our training week they're completely ready to do so well Ali it's great to hear that so far this season it's been pretty plain sailing and long may that continue without question but I'd love to gauge your insight and expertise into the current technology that's out there and the latest innovations to enhance performance. Touch wood on the, the first point. Yeah, yes, keep without question. For that yeah. One. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we use a range of technologies. So first of all, to track the players and what they're doing in each training session, we use GPS. So much like we would use in our sat-nav, our sat-nav in the car, Um, we've got a pod that goes on their back and it basically tracks them around the training pitch. And from that, we just get some mechanical metrics. They can tell us how much distance they've done, at what speed zones they've done it, uh, how quickly they're accelerating or decelerating, and just basically numbers that we can relate to the game and what they'd have to do in a game and how that looks compared to training. They also wear a heart rate belt, which is pretty common technology within football and has been for near on 30 years now. And 
that gives us an insight to how they're responding physiologically to the mechanical outputs they are producing. So that's how we would track the training stuff. From the gym-based stuff, we use a force plate or a dual force plate, um, and we get them to perform a series of exercises on this every single week. And it basically just looks at their different strength and power qualities and how they produce force through movement really so how good they are at controlling their body when decelerating how good they are at accelerating and if there are any imbalances between each limb that's a pretty key bit of technology we use we use some stuff for recovery monitoring or just weekly fatigue monitoring and we'll do saliva tests with the players and look at like um, something called cortisol, testosterone and salivary immunoglobulin A. They all just give us um, an indication on if the player is in any kind of stress or if what we've been doing with them previously, the last week, the last few weeks, is showing any signs of exertion on their body at the start of the new training week. They're, they're, they're the most, well, some of the key ones that we use. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? Because it fascinates me how advanced technology is now and the kind of data that you and the team can gather with each individual player. Yeah, definitely. But we're, we're, work, we're working in a, a multi-million pound industry where in the Premier League you've got obviously player wages that are extremely high and they are huge, huge assets to football clubs. And these assets are useless if they're not able to perform on the football pitch for that those clubs. So, you know, I, I, I think if you were to speak to any elite environment or any elite sport, do you want to try and go into as much detail and to the most minute detail to, to get the most advantage out of these athletes? Yeah, without question. Now, as if you're not busy enough, I gather that you're currently doing a PhD so tell me all about that yeah um, it, it is it is tough in terms of uh, workload <laughs> and I, studies I had, right yeah definitely I had um I had a baby about well I, I didn't have the baby obviously but obviously, my wife yeah my wife congratulations did about, thank you about 17 months ago so like working in this environment especially this season where the fixtures have been so congested with with a with a little one and with a PhD, it is a lot of work at times. But it's it's something that again, it's an area that um I'm really passionate about. I'm really interested in, and I think it's something that can help advance me. Hopefully, advance our practice here, and you know, hopefully, help me in the future. Well, tell us a little bit about it, because what is the PhD specifically focusing on? Because I'm intrigued to know. Yeah, so it, it's working within with football players. It's it's the work that we do here as, as a club and our department. And just looking into the monitoring side of, of footballers, um, the load and the load response and how that is affecting the performance on match day. And that... That probably just sounds like a lot of words, but if I was to break it down, obviously 
when you kick off at three o'clock on Saturday, the most important thing to anyone is what the score is at the end of that game. But the result at the end of a football match is the basically it, it comes through numerous things. Like, and when you're just looking at it from the physical side, it's really really difficult to nail down. You know key performance indicators that say, oh, right, if you do this purely from the physical side, you'll win. That's not the way sport works. That's not the way team sports work. So we're trying to basically look at does what we're asking the players to do for a training week and over a period of time, does is there preferential loading parameters that bring about what we would consider elite output metrics from the things that we think are really, really important to winning football matches or help to win football matches. And yeah, that's the crux of it, really. Well, I wish you well. It sounds a fascinating topic. So I wish you well with your studies as well as everything else. Now being a daddy, young family and indeed head of performance. But uh, you know, the last 12 months or so have been have been really tough for everyone, Ali. I mean, these uh, it's obviously the global pandemic, but I'd love to know also how the relationship with Better and Fulham came about. When when we first went into lockdown and essentially I said football's going to be put on hold, um, we weren't give it, given any time scale. We, we didn't know, you know, when we'd be back in at the training ground, we didn't know when the league was going to resume, but we did know that they wanted to get it back as soon as possible. So in that moment, you've you you're in a position where we've got ten games left, I think, of our regular season. The club's poised to fight for automatic promotion to try and get back to the Premier League, and we've got twenty five players who are just stuck in their houses. And basically, we were we were we were really fortunate that Better came to our aid and started to prov- provide equipment that we could get to the players' houses. So um, we kitted out every single player with cardiovascular and resistance-based uh, equipment um, for them to continue doing their 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 programs that we'd set and individual-based programs to try and make sure that when we were told we're coming back into the training ground, we were in the best place as a club to really push on and go forward with the season. Yeah, I mean, with that so much uncertainty, right? First and foremost, it was all about the players keeping fit, ready for the green light, so to speak, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly that. And uh, I think um, like the manager was incredible during that period as well. He He gave me so much, like so much support during that time but he he basically drove the team as well and it was that and we wanted to make sure that they came back to us in the best place because we weren't aware when they come back how quickly they make us play games so we always had to plan like worst case scenario but on top of that as well I, I, I honestly believe that for the mental side of 
all of the players and and certainly me who was at home and still had like this focus it it was imperative like still to have like a a driver and a focus during that time rather than just getting bogged down with the day-to-day and oh you know when's this gonna end right my day I've got no structure I I, I honestly believe like it, it was really important for all concerned with the football club at that time Yes, the mental kind of approach and attitude. I'd I'd love, Ali, to get your kind of expert advice on this because with the opening of leisure facilities now on the horizon, all being well, what advice would you give to our listeners about general fitness? As, of course, some will be returning to exercise after a break. I guess it's don't push too hard too fast, right? Yeah, exactly that. I think um we all can be really guilty of this. We we've got um we've got a level that we we know we've performed at. We know we can do something and when we when we go away from something for a period of time and you go back to start I don't know, a new exercise regime again, you always have that that thought in your head oh well you know I I could do this before or when I used to do squats I had I had 140 kgs on this bar (laughs) like I'll be there in no time and you just push too hard too quick and two things can happen one you can get demotivated really quickly because actually where you are is so far away from where you think you should be and everything just feels so hard or two you can you can obviously sustain an injury or cause yourself a bit of damage so i've i've definitely been in that that situation many a time where you know you you come away from i don't know you're running for a bit you know the last time you're on the treadmill and you're doing four minute intervals you're running at this speed you jump on there you try and replicate it and after one or two like four minutes you're done and you're thinking ah I don't think I'm gonna get back on there again very quick (laughs) so I guess it's advice is small steps get yourself in the groove again and I guess it just is a true reflection over the last 12 months how we all need you know that physical exercise because it's good for the brain isn't it as well yeah definitely it's 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 good for everything it's good for your sleep uh, it's good for your body composition. It, it's it's good. It's good for how you feel about yourself. Um, it's for me like again going back to lockdown. Like exercise was one of the most important things for me during that that period of time. When 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 you're just stuck in the house all day, and if you were to just get up and just stay in that environment for the whole day. When it comes to when you want to go to bed, the chances are you're not going to be tired. And then suddenly you get into a pattern where your sleep and your routines are just completely out of sync. And all of these things, whether it's exercise, whether it's sleep, whether it's what you eat, they're all interlinked and they're all interlinked by your hormones and how your body responds to these things. So my advice would be, have a set routine start things slow and steady and ha- try uh, and try and do things that are quite social to begin with we've all been stuck away for however long or not in that environment like i think it's a great like classes where you've got somebody somebody there pushing you you can do it with 
a friend maybe or meet some people do it with a smile on your face for me like that'd be the way to go to ease yourself back in yeah, well, I've got a big smile on my face because I've absolutely loved speaking to you. Very sound advice there. I wish you well with everything at the club. I wish you well with your PhD and with your young family. But Ali, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, to you today. And thank you for joining me on Better Stories. Thank you very much. Better is the charitable social enterprise that operates leisure centres, gyms, swimming pools and libraries across the UK. For more information, visit www.better.org.uk or download the Better app. Better Stories, taking inspiration from our communities and people.